Oh, we're off to a rip-roaring start here. Room Radio. My name is Darian. I am back for another week. It's a solo show. <laughs> Sorry, inmates. It's just me this week. Uh, don't know what to tell you, man. Buddy is doing uh, other things, and Monica just started a new job, so let's all wish her well in her new endeavors. She's going to iron her schedule out, or so she says, and come back to us. I'll believe it when I see it. She says she's going to be here next week. I hope that she is, because if not, you're probably looking at another solo show. And let's be honest, nobody wants that, right? I don't. You don't. Why, why would anybody want to listen to me prattle on for two hours? If you haven't deleted this episode yet, then <laughs> I guess possibly you do. I don't know. Uh, what's going on this weekend, mates? It's hot as shit in, here in northern Nevada again. We're, we're deep into September at this point. Things are supposed to be cooling off. It's not happening. It dips for like two days. We get into like the 70s. And then it shoots right back up your asshole at 103 for the rest of the week. And that's where we're at right now. I'm sitting in my guest room here sweating my balls off. And uh, it looks like it's going to be in the ni- between 90 and 105 for the rest of the week here in northern Nevada. Fuck my ass, man. Uh, I, I, I'm, you know what, for the most part, despite my own moaning and groaning, I rather enjoy it because, um, it, it, it lends more time to outdoor activities, which is what I'm all about. I'll go for a run. I can take the kids up to the lake on the weekends. I can do all kinds of fun stuff, uh, that I normally wouldn't be doing this time of year. So I'm into it. All right. Enough about me and my horse shit and the, uh, weather woes and wants of Northern Nevada. Uh, I got a regular horror show to get into here, kids. I got listener mail. I got uh, movies to talk about. I got horror news. I got everything that those two assholes would normally do, I'm going to do by myself. That's how this works. They don't show. I carry the whole goddamn thing all by myself. That's how it goes down. Not that I'm bitter, you sons of bitches. (laughs) Let's jump right into some horror news, shall we? I got all kinds of things to talk about. I discovered a new video game, but I'll tell you about it here in a second. (laughs) Horror news. So this kind of ties into uh, horror news in a way, because it's a video game that I recently discovered. Uh, just downloaded it today, started playing it. It's called Omen 
of sorrow. Now, I know what you're thinking. That doesn't make a fucking lick of sense. And you're right, it doesn't. Uh, it, I, I don't know how they came up with that title. I assume it's um, foreign. <laughs> you can always tell the foreign video games because the dialogue is just a little bit off. You know, like uh, one, of, one of my favorite Japanese games is called Action Fight or Violence Punch or something like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's the same thing. But, dude, it's actually a pretty kick-ass game. And the reason I bring it up is because uh, it was an exclusive to the PlayStation Network. And finally, next month, it's going to cross platforms over to Xbox Live. Uh, I didn't know anything about it until I read this story. I immediately jumped on PlayStation Network and downloaded it. It's pretty fucking dope, dude. It's a uh, Mortal Kombat-style fighting game, but instead of, um, you know, a bunch of ninjas and shit, you have classic movie monster archetypes. You got a vampire, you got a female vampire, you got a weird succubus thing, you got a Frankenstein's monster, a werewolf, uh, Quasimodo, the hunchback of Notre Dame, um, what else? There's a, I said, already said Frankenstein's monster. There's, um, oh shit. What else you got in there? Uh, some other guys. Uh, there's not an invisible man. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking to yourself, Darian, you just described dark stalkers from 1996. And you're right. It's very similar, except I would say that this one is better because this one is much closer to a mortal Kombat style. Whereas dark stalkers was just another Capcom rip uh, of Street Fighter, pretty much, you know, insane combos, tagging each other in and out, uh, Marvel characters get thrown in there periodically, it's fine, it's the same thing, you're right, you're right, you're absolutely right, I think this one's better, I haven't fully mastered it yet, it's definitely, it's 20 bucks right now in the PlayStation Network, if anybody's actually interested in what I'm saying, it's called Omen of Sorrow, um, it's pretty cool, uh, what do you got? You got a mummy. You got uh, Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. You got uh, the Hunchback. You got Elizabeth Bathory, uh, a vampire named Vlad. Of course, we know what they're doing there. Uh, and then you have like a couple of random humans mixed in there also. And there's a whole storyline. I haven't gotten into it yet. I say check that shit out. I think you're gonna like it if you're a fighting game kind of a guy like I am. All right. Uh, that being said, uh, Beetlejuice the musical. I know I've been waiting for Beetlejuice the Musical news. And finally, Beetlejuice the Musical will return in 2022. Um, I didn't know there was a Beetlejuice the Musical. I probably mentioned it at some point, but it completely slipped my mind. Uh, I'm assuming this is some kind of a Broadway thing. I have no interest in seeing it. I'm not a fan of musical theater. so. But I know there are people out there that are, and they're also horror fans. I mean, you know... Sweeney Todd got made, for fuck's sake, so there's that. Uh, Nia DaCosta's Candyman is going to hit VOD this Friday. I, uh, I, have, I had very high hopes for Candyman. Um, I haven't seen it yet. I'm going to go ahead and put that out there. But I got to tell you, inmates, I have not heard a single fucking good thing about this movie. Uh, a client of mine that I work with, sort of, in a weird way... Uh, African-American female told me that she found it to be too woke. (laughs) It was too woke for an African-American female. Now, I haven't seen it. I don't know what's going on. Um, I know that, you know, the woke movement has 
kind of been shoved up our ass here in the horror subgenre of late. I get it. I know what you're doing. It's fine. Uh, but ah, that's uh, if it's too woke for her, and she is woke, my friends, it might be a bit of a thing. I don't know. I'm just saying. I'm going to check it out anyway because I love me some Tony Todd. He's a, he's a great guy. And uh, I, I think he's in this. I don't know. The trailers look kick-ass. I could have swore I heard his voice in more than a few of them. So uh, I'm going to check it out anyway just to see what's going on. Uh, hopefully it's not as bad as everybody makes it out to be. Uh, what else we got here? Guillermo del Toro's Nightmare Alley. 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 Uh, has gotten a December 17th release date. This is going to be his uh, anthology uh, film. I'm looking forward to it. Um, I'm hoping it's a horror movie, you know, because this motherfucker loves to make movies that look like horror movies, and then you find out it's some kind of a fairy tale fucking thing, or it's some kind of a gothic romance kind of a fucking thing. And it's, it's, there's actually nothing scary about this film, Guillermo. So thank you for fooling me again, uh, you son of a bitch. He has made some kick-ass horror movies, though. Uh, what do you got? Uh, uh, Don't Be Afraid of the Dark. Uh, more of a kid's movie, but there were horror elements. Blade 2. Blade 2. I would call, if, if you looked at the Blade franchise, I would say Blade 2 is about as close to a horror movie as you're going to get. Uh, I would say. Those vampires were on crack. Unfortunately, Blade Trinity came along, and while it wasn't bad, it was more of a Ryan Reynolds uh, vehicle. Uh, what else we got here? A movie that I have never heard of, but uh, I probably should have. The Reincarnation of Peter Proud. Has anybody heard of this? It's a horror film. Uh, it's from uh, 1971. Apparently, it's got a huge fan following, despite the fact that I've never... Heard its name mentioned before in my entire life. It's going to be remade by David Goyer. I guess I need to find it. I need to track it down and see what the reincarnation of Peter Proud is all about. Um, I got to be honest with you. Just listening to the title, it sounds very uh, Abbey Rose to me. You know what I'm saying? Another uh, 70s family drama crime uh true situation where there's it's not really a horror movie it's just a bunch of bullshit but i'm gonna check it out anyway uh i got nothing better to do with my time uh lastly this may be good news or bad news i don't know it's i guess it depends on how you feel about it furiosa the mad max prequel gets a summer release date not until 2024 now, a couple of thoughts on this. I was looking forward to it. I'm a Mad Max kind of a guy, and I love Tom Hardy taking over the role of Mad Max. Albeit, I would love to see a Mad Max movie, not a Furiosa movie. I want to see Max driving his uh, Charger, or no, excuse me, Avenger, wasn't it? Dodge Avenger? Uh, through the wasteland, blowing the heads off of uh, scumbags and weird... Uh, I, I mean, if you want to bring back the homoerotica, I'm okay with that. But don't <laughs> don't feel obligated. Uh, it's one of those things that you saw in the in the movies, but you didn't know you saw it until somebody said, "Hey, that's some gayness right there, my man." <laughs> and you're like, "Holy shit, this is one of the gayest movies ever." But uh, I'm into it, man, and I'm, I love me some Tom Hardy. Um, 
Can we can we get an actual Mad Max movie in here somewhere between now and 2024? I'm not I'm not all that attached to Furiosa myself. I would prefer a Mad Max movie, like a Mad Max with Tom Hardy as Max, not just a plot device, but the actual, you know, I don't know, have him go out and uh, uh, steal some gasoline or something or rebuild his car. I don't know. Whatever you want to do with him, I don't care. I'll watch it anyway. Uh, that's all we got on the horror news, inmates. Uh, why don't we get ourselves into some listener mail? Yeah? Should we do that? Let's do that. Listener mail. Yeah, it is. It's listener mail time. We got uh, voicemails and emails. And um, somebody sent me a charcoal rendering. Left it on the hood of my car. I think it was uh, Randy. Randy, you know who you are. Stop leaving shit on my car, you crazy bitch. Uh, What do we got here? Let's start things off. In the land of the rising sun with our main man, Lonely Bob. Kevin's in the house. Haven't heard from Kevin in a while. I don't know what uh, I don't know what he's got what he's got going on here. Subject line, it's been a while. You're right, Kevin, it has. Listen, man, if you're not gonna write in, it's fine. You gotta at least drop somebody a line, let us know that you're still alive. Otherwise we're gonna worry about you. And you know how I am when I get worried. Before you know it, I'm buying a plane ticket and then things get really weird from there. Uh, hey, Padded Room crew, it's been a while since wrote in last, but I still listen to Padded Room podcasts most weeks, though usually a couple episodes for behind. For last week's Educating Are You Cold Fish, the excellent psychological horror drama directed by Simon Sono. No, I'm not, Kevin. And uh, I've seen Cold Fish. That is a hell of a movie. And it's kind of weird. And it kind of... It... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, let me tell let me tell you something about Cold Fish here, inmates. There's a movie out there called Cold Fish. It's Japanese. I've seen it. Um, it, it if you're if you are Japanese, I feel like it's 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 just like Kevin says. It's a psychological horror drama. If you're American, you're it, it's going to make you feel dirty because there's a lot of cultural differences. And things with daughters uh, get overlooked in Japan. I'm not saying it's like a weird sex thing, but it could. It just it's kind. Of, it's very um, Long Long Island low. I guess that's not right. What I'm what I'm trying to say here. It just it's just a creepy, dirty thing. Is what it is. It's a good show. Um, be prepared. I mean, you guys have seen Old Boy, right? You know how that ends. So, okay. You you know what I'm talking about. That's the direction that cold fish goes into. Okay, um, it's kind of it's kind of creepy, and it kind of makes you feel like you need to take a shower afterward. Good show, but that's one of these movies that is a great show that I only need to see once. Is what I'm going to say. Cold fish, I am not Kevin. Thank you very much for writing in, though, my friend. Um, let's get down to Sydney, Australia. Here comes. The man from horror for dummies himself. It's team. Subject line, James Wan is back. Hi, howdy, guys and girls, assuming everyone is in this week. Wrong! You're wrong, Tim. It was great hearing Miss Monica return last week. She was missed, and it's great to hear from her. Terra Dome, I'm taking Predator. 
I don't get the love for Maniac Cop, man. And Darian, Bruce Campbell, and Tom Atkins being in a film is not an argument for winning a fight. If you want to use that, then the Predator has Arnold Schwarzenegger, a.k.a. the greatest actor in the world. Well, you're right. No, you're right. I mean, there, if, if we're going off of sheer star power, you're probably right. I'm going to put two down here for the Predator because, I mean, that's if that's what you want to do, Tim, that's fine with me. But I'm just saying that that... As far as horror royalty goes, I don't think you can find a more star-studded ensemble cast. Now, a lot of people will point to Hatchet because uh, it has Tony Todd, Robert England, Kane Hodder, and uh, some other dudes in it. But that's a shit movie, man. Uh, a lot of people will point to Wishmaster. The first one's okay, but I, I don't know, man. It's Bruce Campbell and Tom Atkins. How, how much better can it get than that? You know what I mean? All right, I'm, I'm going off on a rant here. Back to Tim. Now, I'm sure you've heard of the film Malignant, the new James Wan film, and I want to shove my two cents in before people rip it apart. <coughs> Excuse me. Because this film is getting some hate, and I honestly don't get it. The film is a love letter to 80s schlock horror and giallo films. It's not meant to be taking, taken 100% seriously. I personally love the film, and I think you guys should definitely give it a go if you have not yet. Anyway, that's all for me this week. Keep up the great work. I'll catch you on the next week. Tim, thanks, Tim. Tim's a beautiful young man. I don't know if you guys have seen pictures of Tim. I'm not a gay man, but I'm willing to experiment with Tim. And that 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 accent, right? You know what I'm saying? What is it about Australians that just turn everybody on? I have no idea. Uh, that being said... Since we're already on an international flight, let's swing it right back round to jolly old England. London, England of all places. Here comes the horror slut herself. Cat is in the house. Subject line, chin love. I don't know what that means. I think she's going to punch me in the face. Afternoon, gents and lady. It was nice to hear Monica back for part of the show and do hope she is able to return more often. Really quick this week, as I have been working doubles, Terradome and I'm voting for Maniac Cop. Thank you very much, Kat. Um, Maniac Cop, voting for Maniac Cop only because of Bruce and his almighty chin. I hope everyone has had a great week, Kat. Thank you very much, Kat. I'm glad somebody is listening to Reason. And if you haven't seen Maniac Cop, I find it to be a very highly underrated slasher. Um, the first, the first one is probably the best. Uh, the second one stars Robert Davi and Claudia Christensen, which is also not bad. Uh, it's 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 William Lustig. You know what I mean? Uh, the guy that did the original Maniac. So it's got it's full of that seedy late eighties, early nineties New York City grime and filth and ridiculous hole-in-the-wall strip clubs and just dirty, graffiti-ridden, homeless-infested scabies. <laughs> I don't mean to besmirch uh, New York City, but that's that's the environment that William Lustig loved to put out, and that's what he did in spades. Uh, Maniac Cop 2, starring um, Claudia Christian and uh, Robert Davi, I would say as a that's that's when Officer Matthew Cordell becomes full on undead. 
So that is because the the franchise is only three movies. There's only three maniac cops. That's probably the Jason uh, Jason lives of the franchise. You know what I mean? And dude, let's be honest. Let's 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 be honest here, inmates. Of just no Terradome, no votes involved. The, Matthew Cordell would kick the shit out of Jason Voorhees. He would. He can drive cars. He can shoot guns. Um, he wears a police officer's uniform. So, you know, there's that. Uh, come on. You you know he would. You And in uh, part three, he almost kind of takes a bride in a weird voodoo ceremony. Nobody wants to fuck Jason Voorhees. He's disgusting. I'm just saying. All right, moving along. Thank you very much for writing in, Kat. I'm going, uh, I'm going off on a uh, maniac cop tangent here. Uh, let's get uh, back here to Reno, Nevada. Here comes the cowboy. Subject line, hail to the chin. Evening padded room. Hope everyone is doing well and made it in tonight. Glad to hear Monica was back and hope things are getting better, better for her and her family. Quick note tonight as my week has been insane. Terradome, maniac cop all the way. That a boy, cowboy. That a boy, cowboy. Uh, I know Predator easily could kill him, but all hail the mighty Bruce and his amazing chin. Ha ha. No logic here, just Bruce. Educate, Darian. God damn it. <laughs> I believe you're the house where evil dwells. You are correct, cowboy. That's all I got tonight. Back to the grind. Hope everyone has a great week. Catch you on the flip, cowboy. I thought I was doing a deep dive with that fucking movie, The House Where Evil Dwells. That is a turd of a movie. Um, it's not really a horror movie. It is, I guess, technically a ghost story. It's more of a early eighties romance between, uh, this dude's wife and his boss. I, f- I feel like, uh, it's full of, uh, fuzzy screen sex scenes. You know what I'm talking about? Where they just lay on top of each other and smile at each other. Cause that's what passed for a sex scene in 1981. And, uh, there's like a backdrop of uh, uh, going to Japan and being transplanted in the house where the feudal lord was nailing the samurai's wife and he killed them both. It's it's more way more romance than it needed to be. Um, it's not good. If you're thinking about watching it, don't. Or go ahead and do. And tell me, uh, try, try to tell me I'm, I'm wrong. Because you're wrong <laughs> if you like that movie. All right. I got some voicemails here. Excuse me. I get a little choked up when I talk about the house where evil dwells. Some people don't believe it's as bad as it is. I actually own that movie on disc. And since I'm stalling for time here, I might as well tell you the story. Remember Tower Records? There was a, uh, uh, like a, like a media store that was prevalent in like the mid nine, mid to late nineties, I think called Tower Records. And like, a Sam Goody, like a Warehouse Records and Tapes, like a Musicland, they all crumbled as soon as the MP3 came about. And just as, I think Tower was probably the last to fall, uh, but we had a Tower Records here in Reno, and it crumbled, and just as it was, they had like a going out of business sale, and that was one of the few places, like in the mall, where you could go and buy porno, like on DVD. That was a thing. You could do that. Uh, but, uh, they, they had their big going out of business sale and I just went in there with like, uh, 300 bucks and cleaned out the entire horror section. And one of the titles I walked away with, which is now presently still sitting on my shelf, just to my left, uh, the house where evil dwells. 
It had like a skull and a house on the cover, and like so many other movies, roped me in with its false advertising <laughs> to where I thought, hey, it's got a skull on the cover in a house, and it's called uh, something evil. Uh, yeah, I'm sure it can't be that bad. It is. I'm going to tell you right now, it is that bad. So there's that. All right, let's get to these voicemails before I talk myself into uh, watching The House Where Evil Dwells <laughs> for this week's immersion therapy. Uh, let's see what we got here. Let's go down south, shall we? Here comes the brick wall of people that call into the podcast. The man himself, Mr. Allen of the Cha-Cha. Padded room, what's, what's up? up? Hope everybody's doing good. We're alive. Um, love the thing, of course, classic. Sure. Prince of Darkness, I really like it. I've only seen it once. The big thing I remember is Alice Cooper leading the homeless people. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Terradome, I'm going to go with Maniac Cop. Thank you. Frederick's been beaten by humans several times. It, it happens That's in all true. the movies. I mean, come on, Maniac Cop's like Supernatural, when he can be on fire, he's, he's got guns, guns, all this. He could drive yeah, cars. He Predator, Maniac, Cop, he Predator. And I love Predator. I love Predator. Anyway, that's all I got. Y'all have a good one. Bye. Thank you very much, Alan. You're a beautiful young man. Did I tell you that? And you're right. You're absolutely right. Now, a couple of things about the Predator franchise. And I don't, I don't mean to besmirch the Predator before I go any further with this, okay? Um, but I got to admit, and I got, we got to be honest here, inmates. We got to be honest with ourselves. That last Predator movie... The Predator, uh, directed by Shane Black, who should have been the golden boy of the Predator franchise, was garbage, all right? CGI Incredible Hulk Predator at the end was horseshit. That weird Iron Man suit that popped up in the the, cre- the credits cookie, hey, you're not making a Predator movie, Shane Black, you're making a Marvel movie, and nobody wants that from a Predator movie. By all means, make a Marvel movie but it's got to have a superhero in it. You can't make a fucking... There's no room for humor or winks and nods at the camera in the Predator franchise. You understand that? You can't... All right. I'm go... Again, I'm going off on a tangent. I apologize. But I got to be honest with you, man. That last one took the Predator stock down a notch or two. A lot of people were mad at Predators. I was not. I, th- I rather enjoyed that. With the Adrian Brody, where they go to the, the Predator planet, I wasn't mad at that. People hated the uh, Predator dogs. I thought they were different. (laughs) I was not furious at that movie, though. Um, What else you got? Predator 2, of course. Alien vs. Predator, which I fully count as part of the Predator franchise, and the Alien franchise, for that matter, uh, despite the fact that the second one was more about teenage romance. Um but the thing is, with all with that lengthy of a, of a of a franchise, there's going to be some stinkers in there. On the other hand, you take a Maniac Cop, three movies, all of them ultra violent, uh, crossing into the realm of the supernatural with uh, undead Maniac Cop, and just uh, again, and I don't mean to beat a dead horse here, you got Tom Atkins and Bruce Campbell in there, and Claudia Christensen, who was a hot piece of a. Circa 1990, I don't know, three or whenever that second one came out. So I feel that um, the the Maniac Cop franchise uh, probably, it, I'm not going to say it, it went out on a, on a better note 
You know what I mean? And from what I hear, there's another Predator movie coming at us very soon. Hopefully, it can redeem the 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 Predator. You know what I mean? Uh, bring that stock up a little bit is what I'm hoping for. All right. Thank you very much for calling in, Alan. Uh, what else we got here? Here comes uh, Monica's pod boyfriend. Despite the fact that she is not here. All the way from Southern California. <coughs> excuse me. Mad Max himself. Mr. Tom Hardy. Hey yo! Hey yo! Padded room. How's my favorite degenerates this week? Well, it's just me. I oh, hope everyone's doing well. Yeah. Hope everyone's good. I'm hey, good. good to have Miss Monica pop in for a night. I don't know if she'll be able to make it back. But, Probably uh, not. <laughs> hey, it's good to hear her back on the show. She was. Know? She was great. Uh, anyway, let me get to it here. Um, what do you got on the Terror Dome? Yes, sir. You know what? Huh? Whoop. Okay, um, bear with me. You know what? Huh. I'm going to go ahead and say, uh, let's give this one to the maniac cop. My let me, man! Let me tell you why. I always got We're running logic away with here, it. And I'm, you know, anytime the Predator's up against somebody, they're all, oh, well, the Predator, he only sees in heat vision. Or, and I don't know if that's necessarily true, that that's the only way the Predator maniac hunts or tracks is in heat vision, he but can take the mask off. If, if that's what everyone is arguing, then hey, you know what? In this case, uh, old Cordell there, he's he's dead, right? He is. So he shouldn't be giving off movie. Uh, any heat, you he's know, so he should predator. effectively be invisible to the Predator, that's and then, uh, I mean, unless he's driving a car on fire, but well, other than that, I yeah. think, uh, I just, you know what, just give it to the, just give it to the maniac cop. You're week. beautiful, yeah, Tom I think, Hardy. Uh, He'll uh, he'll take it to the he'll take it to the predator. You know, call it home field advantage or whatever. Okay, sure. Give it to the maniac cop. Let's do that. Uh, on the um, educating department, if you, you got me, Darren. This I, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about okay, on this good. one. So uh, yeah, congrats on you. <laughs> it's bad. Um, but I did have a couple of things on the uh, what are you looking at? Yeah, what do you got, I man? To get to. One of them was um, I meant to watch this uh, before last week or the seventh day. You That's think? a pretty good flick. That's Not a pretty a good show, uh, right? exorcism, possession flick, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. I, I rather liked it, man. Um, I thought it had a, a good little twist. I thought it kind of telegraphed it a bit, but uh, still enjoyable. Still liked it. Right on. Um, I also got to catch uh, Peeping Tom. Oh. I don't know if you've seen this flick Roman or heard Polanski. about this flick. It's like 1960s yeah. uh, flick, but I've been hearing about it forever. Oh, this was... This is the first serial killer movie. This eh. is, I think it came out like the same year as Psycho, or yeah. maybe shortly after. Something like that. Something like that. You know, this is the first slasher, I think, is what they were saying. Eh. And, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's it's definitely a 60s flick with the pacing and everything. You're right. I, I don't know. I guess it's all right. Uh, I feel like I had to see it just for... Pedigree. You know, just right? for completion to say, like I said, I've been hearing about it forever. And, yeah. People saying how great it was. I, I thought it was okay, not so not great, but you eh, know, for a sixty flick, yeah. What are you gonna do? Uh, I also got to catch um, the Babysitter one and two. <laughs> I love those flicks, man. Uh, those those are so good. I, I especially the first one. Sure, um, really good balance of of. GP, uh, he did call back, but before he before I get into his second voicemail. I got to tell you, Tom Hardy, I'm with you, man. I I cannot get into Roman Polanski's movies. I can't. I've tried repeatedly. 
Uh, what do you got? You got uh, Peeping Tom, Rosemary's Baby, Bored Me to Tears. I've sat through it. It took me like three or four runs at it, but goddamn, man. It's just a lot of like uh, 30-second shots of weird stuff in the window, you know? It's like it's figurines and things like that. It's. I'm not saying I have a short attention span, but I have a fucking short attention span. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. And maybe it's just me, or maybe it's uh, the, the time that I grew up in where, you know, uh, Jason Voorhees was ripping the tops off of well-endowed camp counselors. But this whole shit with, like, um, what's her name there? Um, uh, Woody Harrell's wife. She's uh, Woody Harrell. Woody uh, Allen's wife. Uh, Mia Farrow walking up and down the streets of New York for, with no particular uh, destination, just pushing a baby stroller and looking in the window. That goes on for like 40 minutes in the fucking movie, man. I'm sorry. I am sorry. I I, try, I tried. Everybody told me what a great movie it is and the suspense and all that shit. And what does it all boil down to at the end? A psychedelic montage of a bunch of turds and robes running around a baby carriage. I don't get it. I tried. Same thing with Peeping Tom. Same thing with the uh, Fearless Vampire Hunters, which is more of a comedy. Uh, the Ninth Gate. People love The Ninth Gate. I do not understand the love for that movie. Uh, even with Johnny Depp, it's like what the f- he just <laughs> he just flies around and buys books. That's ninety percent of your movie. Him trying to swindle this dude and track down that book, and then he goes back and swindles another guy. Oh God, fuck! I don't I don't understand it, man. I do not understand the love for Roman Polanski. I get it. I think maybe he gets. Uh, a little extra credit given, you know, he had a really, really rough road, all things considered, in, you know, uh, child molestation notwithstanding, but c- because that is a thing, he did do that, and he did admit to it, uh, but that notwithstanding, that's just that's something I don't understand. Uh, he did call back this uh, Tom Hardy. Let's see what else he has to say. Gee, motherfucking Pete. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I thought I was going to make it through that time, too. Not a chance. Uh, anyway, uh, no, I just, you know, the first one in particular, uh, just a really good balance of... Uh, oh, babysitters, yeah. ...of, you know, comedy and horror. Absolutely. Um, with actually being funny, you know, not just being stupid or ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I really like that one. And the second one, I, I still like it. I, I don't think it's as good, and I think they really kind of bended some rules to to make it how they want to do it. I don't want to say anything to anybody that's going to check it out, but okay. uh, it kind of bended some rules to, to make, uh, make some, make the movie work the way they wanted it to work, I guess. Sure. That's the way you say it. Yeah. Um, but either way, both still really good flicks. Anyway, hope all is well. Love you like family. Bye now. Love you too, Tom Hardy. Um, babysitter. I've seen the first one. That was a good show. I think, think i have seen the second one i if i did it was a long time ago and i don't remember anything about it uh might have to revisit those ones sometime soon here but for now my friends that is all we have on the listener mail thank you very much tim cat kevin uh cowboy alan and of course the incomparable tom hardy uh your terror dome votes are locked in i think it's time that we got ourselves into a little bit of a movie here shall we Let's break it down. Terror Dome. 
anyone in close proximity has the same dream. What is it? A secret that can no longer be kept. It started a month ago. What started? A change in the earth and the sky. His power. There's a weird locking mechanism. Looks like it can only be opened from the inside. A life form is growing out of prebiotic fluid. It's not winding down into disorder. It's self-organizing. It's becoming something. What? buddy it is the prince of darkness from 1987 written and directed by john carpenter this one comes in at 6.7 stars got a solid r rating stars donald pleasance lisa blunt and jameson parker um you pro- i know you've seen this one and this one gets a lot of mixed reviews from all the carpenter heads out there is it his best film probably not uh, i'll be honest with you it's my favorite my favorite John Carpenter movie. I'm gonna. I'll be. I'll be the first one to admit it's not his best film. But for some reason, this is one of those weird movies that, as horror fans, just kind of resonates with me personally, and maybe with you too. Um, I think for me, it was the concept, the idea of having the anti antichrist uh, locked up in a swirling mass of jello. At, underneath a inner city church and just keeping him there for hundreds of thousands of years somehow. And I, apparently they moved him at some point that's never really gotten into because you would think that of all places to put the Antichrist, Los Angeles would not be the, the first. That's, eh, maybe maybe not there. Maybe that, I mean, how about Vegas? <laughs> I don't know, man. But uh, regardless, I, this is one of, this is probably my favorite John Carpenter movie. Uh, probably for reasons of atmosphere, um, concept, acting's pretty, pretty fucking weak, except for Donald Pleasance, to be honest with you. Um, special effects are pretty solid though, all practical effects. And like I said, just the, the, the concept of having the Antichrist in the basement. Uh, so we're going to start off at a prestigious universe. Well, actually we're going to start off right there at the church. The movie begins with the death of a monk. And the monk is somebody that apparently was the sole inhabitant of this inner city church. He lived there for 30 plus years. And um, he would leave only once a week to go buy food and stuff. And other than that, he would just sit in this church um, by himself. Now, they call this place a church. And from the outside, it looks like a church. But on the inside, it looks more like uh, some kind of a dormitory, really. There's no, like... uh, pulpit or pews or anything any of the normal shit you'd expect to find in a church or at least none that we see so there's that 
Um, that being said, he dies. Uh, Donald Pleasance, I guess, plays the priest who would handle the death of another priest or something like that. And he stumbles onto this poor dead priest and he finds out some weird shit was going on. Uh, for starters, the monk was the last surviving member of something called the Order of Sleep. And his job, along with three or four other monks, was to rotate in and out of this church, live there, and basically just make sure that everything was cool while they were there. Um, Everything was cool until he died. Uh, Just before he died, though, the monk had an appointment with the Archdiocese of Los Angeles, and he was going to bring some things to their attention. Going through the monk's journal, uh, the priest, played by Donald Pleasance, finds out all about this weird shit and the Brotherhood of Sleep and all that. So he reads the journal and he's like, what the fuck? There's like, uh, you know, passages read to the effect of he's stirring, he's going to wake soon. Uh, We have to do something. I don't know what to do. Things get really weird. And then unfortunately, the poor guy dies in his sleep. Uh, He died clutching a silver key. So Donald Pleasance takes the silver key, goes walking around the church, finds out it unlocks the basement, go downstairs to the basement, and what we find there, my friends, is, for lack of a better term, I suppose, the Antichrist. Now, for the purposes of this film, the Antichrist is going to be portrayed as a swirling mass of embryonic fluid. That, I guess, um, it's it's locked into a uh, Cuisinart type of a thing, It's like a big cylindrical tube, and it's just swirling and swirling and swirling, as if somebody were going to make a a, uh, margarita out of the Antichrist, which I imagine would taste like shit. Um, Probably get you really fucked up, though. (laughs) That being said, he's like, oh, shit, that's the motherfucking Antichrist. Uh, There's a Bible. Well, I I don't know if it's a Bible or a tome or whatever. There's a big book on an altar laying in front of the Antichrist. The whole room is like dark as shit. There's a bunch of candles. Crucifixes all over the place. Uh, The big tube is in the middle with the swirling schmutz. Uh, There's a book laying in front of it. The priest is like, oh, this is uh, Coptic Greek and Latin and a bunch of other languages that I don't fucking understand. I don't know what to do with any of this shit. I got an idea. Why don't I take it to uh, USC? Surely... Somebody there is going to have some ideas about something, how to fucking make this thing go away. So he does that. And then we're going to cut to USC. And oddly enough, the, the portions of the film that were filmed um, at the co- that were supposed to take place at the college campus actually took place, were filmed at uh, USC Film School, which is where John Carpenter graduated from. So good on him. Um, there's a theology class. I I don't know if it's theology. It's more like a uh, modern philosophy class, I guess. Uh, Being taught by Egg Shen from um, uh, Big Trouble in Little China. Uh, And he's, you know, telling everybody, oh, reality is only what we perceive to be real. And uh, to to make a long story short, we have a couple of students here. uh, One of them in particular, a guy by the name of Brian Marsh, played by Jameson Parker, who is wanting to hook up with another student there uh, named Catherine, and she's a redhead played by Lisa Blunt. Now, we're not going to recognize either one of these two actors or actresses. Uh, 
Jameson Parker was best known for his uh, role in um, some goddamn 80s legal drama that I'm going to pull up here in two seconds. He's not a bad-looking dude. Uh, He's got one hell of a Tom Selleck mustache thing going on, so good on him for that. Um, He was known for... It's some goddamn thing which is going to pop up. I have to edit this part out. Uh, He was known for Simon and Simon, the son of a bitch, (laughs) from 1981 to 1989. Uh, That's way before my time. So, I mean, I was alive during that time, but I could give a shit less about Simon and Simon. Lisa Blunt, you'll recognize, though, from An Officer and a Gentleman. She played David Keith's uh, somewhat snotty wife before he committed suicide. Uh, pretty attractive actress, at least circa 1987. <clears throat> anyway, par- uh, Brian is kind of creepily stalking Catherine, and she's you know talking to other dudes, and he's getting all dissuaded, and he's waiting outside of classes for her and things like that. And periodically, we're going to cut to like weird ant infestations around uh, uh, Brian's apartment and the USC campus and things like that, as if we're trying to say something about something. I don't know. I'm I'm not too big on John Carpenter uh, imagery, so to speak. I'm sure he's going for something there. Uh, regardless, uh, the priest shows up and talks to Egg Shen. Egg Shen's like, oh, what? so he takes Egg Shen back to the uh, church where he actually shows him the book in the Antichrist and gives him a rundown on the Brotherhood of Sleep. And Egg Shen is like, uh, fucking, <laughs> you know what? I'm in. I'm going to do it. Let's do it. Let's figure this whole shit out. So Egg Shen goes back to USC. He gets like a, a bunch of biologists, uh, radio, radiographers, um, people that carbon date things. I don't know what you call that guy. Uh, translators. He gets the whole Compton posse behind him and he says, Hey, I got a project. It's extra credit for everybody. He gets a couple other teachers involved. Uh, he's like, we're going to go to this church. We're going to spend a couple days there. Okay. It's extra credit. Uh, it's going to guarantee you a passing grade. If you take place in this, uh, experience slash field test slash field trip, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Come on down with me. Uh, you're going to love it. Uh, cancel your plans for the weekends. I'll take care of food and uh, bring overnight stuff because you're going to be sleeping there in the church. So everybody's all pissed off immediately because, you know, except for Brian Marsh because he's like, hey, you know, I'm going to sleep in the church with this redhead that I've been trying to get on. So but, but they all agree. And Brian asks Catherine out to go have coffee. She ends up spending the night with him. Uh, I would assume they have sex because we cut to the next morning and they're both naked in bed. Uh, That's fine. Well done, Brian Marsh. Uh, From there, we cut to the church itself. Now, this church is fucking gross, man. It's all but abandoned. It's surrounded by homeless dudes walking around with, like, cups full of maggots, one of which, by the way, is played by Alice Cooper. Okay? Now, I had a great joke written, and motherfuck my co-host for not making it tonight. Because I had, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lay it on you guys instead. Uh, Alice Cooper wore a lot of like uh, uh, skin whitener, whatever you call that, like to make make you look pale. So what I wrote was, Alice Cooper looks a little pale. I hope he wasn't poisoned. There's poison running through his veins. That's fucking funny, and my humor is lost. 
um, <laughs> because my goddamn co-hosts couldn't be bothered to show up tonight. So there's that. Anyway, Alice Cooper's one of the homeless dudes, and uh, they're all just kind of circling around and patrolling about the church. Uh, the priest shows up, and one of them is like, Hey, Father, I'm really glad you're reopening the church. It's a young lady, by the way, and she's got like a full demon voice, and there's maggots and beetles crawling all over. He's like, hey, hey yeah, great. Uh, here comes all the college kids with all their equipment. Um, they got like a couple of vans full of shit. We're going to meet some of these kids. Don't get attached to any of them. Because most of them aren't going to make it. Uh, really, the only one you need to worry about is Walter. He's he's played by Wang from uh, uh, Den- his name. The actor's name is Dennis Dunn. Uh, he was Wang in Big Trouble in Little China. Um, who else you got? That's about. Oh, uh, uh, Peter Jason shows up as one of the professors. Uh, love him. Um, other than that, I think that's about it as far as anybody we know. There is one screaming hot redhead uh, wearing Sally Jesse Raphael glasses, and I'm wildly attracted to her. I'm not talking about Lisa Blunt. I don't remember the actress's name. She only has like two lines, but uh, she's like the the most attractive young lady in this whole movie. She plays the radiographer, and unfortunately, she is the first one to get the... Uh, the Antichrist treatment that I'm going to get into here in a second. So, uh, Egg Shen is being very secretive about what the hell's going on. He hasn't told anybody the full scope of what it is that we're dealing with, um, other than just to say that to bring a bunch of equipment, meet me at the church. So, people are moving their shit in and they're getting set up, and we got to carbon date this. What are we carbon dating? I have no idea. Uh, we get the uh, translator set up. She's got the big fucking book. All right, so she's going to translate the book. It's uh, Coptic Greek in some places, Latin in other places, other languages. It looks like somebody um, wrote over other passages, like on top of it. So it's there's a lot of shit going on with this book. Eventually, uh, the priest and Egg Shen crack, and they're like, okay, okay, everybody's set up. Everybody's good to go. Come on down to the basement with us here, guys. We got we to gotta show you a little something-something. We got to show you why we're here tonight. So they go down there and they tell everybody the story of the Antichrist and how he may or may not be entombed in the swirling jello mold in the basement. So everybody immediately is like, oh, fucking. Like, I would say 80% of the kids are like, Jesus fucking Christ, the Antichrist. Uh, we're on, we're like on the verge of an ultimate truth here. We got to see this through. Uh, Walter and another guy named Wyndham are on the bullshit train. They're like, oh, yeah, okay, that's the Antichrist, all right. It looks like some kind of a fucking moldy uh, black mold. You need to get some contractors in here, <laughs> not, not us. So they're like, all right, yeah, whatever, dude. Um, at one point, though, my hot redhead with the Sally Jesse Raphael glasses goes down there and starts staring at it, and it basically bukkakes her because what's happening with the, the, the swirling smegma is that it's dripping up onto the ceiling, and she kind of follows the the upward drip, the upside-down drip with a flashlight, and where she realizes that a puddle has formed on the ceiling, an upside-down puddle, defying the laws of gravity, and when she spots that, she goes, and then it sprays right down into her mouth. Now, what you're wondering is how that uh, little Bukaki scene there is going to infect the rest of the group. Well, funny I brought up Bukaki because to dip into another subgenre of pornography, 
that the the cum swapping girls. Have you seen that? I'm not a fan myself. It kind of grosses me out. But there's a whole subgenre of uh, pornography where girls swap. They, some guy blows a load in one of their mouths, and then they go and spit it in another chick's mouth, and then that I <laughs> I didn't write this. Okay, don't get mad at me. But that's basically how the Antichrist does his body hopping is uh, via bukkake slash cum swapping. So it's kind of it's kind of nasty. And uh, not not my gig, but if you know if you're into that, that's good good for you. Uh, so that's how it goes down. Now my hot redhead is one of the, uh, the she's basically possessed by the Antichrist. So that makes her like a zombie automaton where she just kind of staggers around. Um, at this point, guys start getting cold feet, and we're going to start with Wyndham, who is the biggest douchebag of the group. He goes walking outside now. As I mentioned before, the homeless dudes have been patrolling the outside, and they're all in this catatonic automaton state also to where they just stand outside in these loose formations and stare up at the windows constantly. Oh, and by the way, I don't know if I mentioned this or not, but worms are now crawling up the windows. Kind of gross. It's kind of a nasty thing. It's a good thing they ordered pizza and not spaghetti because that might fuck up their dinner. Regardless... Uh, Wyndham is like, you know what? This is caca. I'm going to, he actually used the word caca, by the way. I, I didn't make that up. He's like, this is caca. I'm going to get up out of here. Uh, I don't want, I don't want to be a part of the antichrist experiment. So he goes walking outside, uh, Calder and, uh, another dude go chasing him out there. They're like, Hey man, what, we got the fucking antichrist here, dude. Come on, come back in. We're going to figure the whole shit out. He's like, no, this is silly. They go walking back inside. Wyndham then decides to stand outside looking up at the building for like another two minutes, at which point he gets attacked by the lady with the cup full of maggots. With a, She's got like some garden shears, and she stabs the piss out of him, and no more Wyndham. <clears throat> well, I didn't particularly like that guy anyway. He reminded me a lot of Ellis from uh, Die Hard. You know what I'm talking about, that 80s archetype of the, the scumbag Probably had a line of cocaine on him that he was going to do at some point. I don't know. I'm, maybe I'm just grossly stereotyping. Uh, regardless, that's pretty nasty. He's actually dead, which is, I guess, wor- probably, I don't know if it's better or worse than getting the uh, satanic bukkake, but he's dead. He's out of the equation. Now, at this point, uh, Professor Lathy, who is played by Peter Jason, dismisses his research assistant because he's got to go do his job for him while he's there uh, carbon dating stuff or whatever he's doing. So he's like, hey, get out of here, bud. I'll take it from here. I'll see you in the morning. And the guy's like, all right, I'm going to go home and get some sleep. He goes outside. He spots the homeless parade, and they spot him. So he's like, oh. Uh, He turns to walk away, and Alice Cooper is at the other end of the alley with a half a bicycle. Now, what is Alice Cooper going to do with a half a bicycle, you ask? Well, he's going to stab this poor research schmuck with uh, the Walkman on. And he does just that. So that dude's dead too. Now we got two down. We started with uh, 12, I think. Uh, Two are out, one is possessed. Now at this point, we're going to cut back to uh, the actual Antichrist chamber. Everybody's looking for my hot redhead with the Sally Jesse Raphael glasses. Uh, One guy in particular that looks a little bit like Kyle Gass from Tenacious D., Starts kind of poking around. He's like, hey, has anybody seen Susan? Where's Susan? I got to go find her. He goes down to the Antichrist chamber and gets his neck snapped by Susan, my my hot red, my hot redhead. 
not the hot redhead, but mine in particular. Uh, so he's dead too. Now we're dead. Now we're three out. So uh, now we're going to cut back to our translator, uh, Asian young lady, who's been mercifully hit on by uh, Walter, unfortunately. Uh, she's translating this stuff, and she's getting some pretty cryptic messages, and it's getting pretty heavy. And now we're knocking on the door of probably midnight, 1 o'clock in the morning, so people are starting to get tired and shit. She's like, I'm, I'm going to take a break. I'm going to go lay down for a little while. And uh, I will I will get back with you in a little bit. So she leaves her 1987 DOS computer <laughs> with the with the green screen, the state of the art stuff for 1987. And she goes and lays down. That's when Susan, my hot redhead, climbs on top of her, and she wakes up as Susan is mounting her. And there's like an awkward moment where she's like, <laughs> uh, "I don't really." And then she gets bukkakeed. They do the cum swap, and now. The the Asian uh, translator is now also Antichrist material. Uh, while that was going on, cut back to the Antichrist chamber. There's another lady there who is blonde. I don't know what her job... Her name is Kelly. I don't know what her job was there. But she just kind of bumps into some of the machinery and it gives her a bruise on her elbow. And as the movie goes on, the bruise gets worse and worse. <clears throat> And uh, she, like, starts to lose energy, and she's starting to feel even worse, and it's it's really taking a toll on her. And we have a big meeting. Uh, people are starting to disappear now. Uh, Wyndham's gone. Uh, Susan and the hot Asian are gone. Uh, the Kyle Gas guy is gone. I forget his name. Uh, people are just not there anymore. Nobody knows where they are. So we have an emergency meeting, uh, Among Us style, in the in the rec room, and we're like, okay, so I get it. Uh, Egg Shen and the priest are there. They're like, okay, guys, we get it. Uh, this is pretty heavy. You know, we laid some pretty heavy shit on you here with the Antichrist, trying to decipher all these weird languages, uh, trying to figure out exactly what the fuck that thing is in the basement. Um, this is when Brian Marsh shows up and he's like, well, hey, you know, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, imp- it's prebiotic fluid which would normally dissolve itself into chaos, but this shit down there is like organizing itself somehow. It's becoming sentient, and it's taking the shape of something. And uh, I don't know. That's kind of a weird... That doesn't. That's like physically impossible, I get it. It's defying the laws of physics. So that's okay. That's, I mean, that's weird. Uh, in the meantime, everybody's been kind of nodding off periodically as they go, and everybody's having the same dream, which is weird, right? Uh the priest breaks it down. He's like, everybody here fell asleep at some point tonight. And I'm going to tell you what your dream, what you dreamed about. You dreamt about the front of this building and a tall, dark figure walking out. And it was like you were kind of watching a, a, a shitty, shittily produced TV show, right? And everybody's like, yeah, how'd you know about that? He's like, here's the deal, bros. Uh, anybody that falls asleep in any proximity to this building has the same dream. And that's what it is. So Brian Marsh breaks it down. He's like, hey, maybe it's tachyon particles. Egg Shen comes up with a uh, pretty loose theory off the top of his uh, very gray, graying head. He says uh, it's probably tachyon particles. Well, okay, so tachyon is a is a subatomic particle that apparently has the physical capabilities to travel faster than the speed of light. Now, if it travels faster than the speed of light, technically it goes back in time. So theoretically, and I'm not subscribing to any of this shit. Somebody is broadcasting from the future back to this exact spot 
uh, this exact night is what we're saying. So the Earth is occupying the exact same spot in space as it is at some point in the future when whoever is broadcasting back, and that's why everybody has the same dream. But nobody explains how it's being broadcasted into people's subconscious. So that's okay. I'm okay to write that off. I don't need to understand that. <laughs> I don't think I have the necessary intelligence to understand that. So I'm just going to say okay. So it's it's pretty scary. It's pretty gnarly. Everybody's having the same dream about this uh, big creepy guy walking out of the church. Um, the dream sequence itself is pretty gnarly because it's like found footage almost. And uh, the audio is all garbled and uh, shaky cam. And all you see is this backlit silhouette of a very tall guy dressed in robes walking out of the church. It's pretty fucking creepy, dude. Um, so that's, you know, okay. So if you were a naysayer after this little meeting, you're officially on Team Antichrist because you can't deny the dreams. You, t- you obviously took a nap at some point and uh, people are now coming up missing. Now, as this meeting is happening, Wyndham, who got shanked with the garden shears, comes back to life in the parking lot and he's like, Hello, hello, I have a message for you. Everybody's like, Hey, it's Wyndham. Wyndham's back. Hey, buddy, what are you doing out there? I have a message for you and you're not going to like it. And then like, as you look at Wyndham, you see that he's clearly dead and is really just a bunch of bugs piled into a cheap 1980s suit. Pray for death. And then he just dissolves into a big pile of bugs and all of his body parts fall out. Okay, well, we all saw that. We can't deny that shit, right? Now we do have a problem of some magnitude because uh, things are very scary all of a sudden. And uh, yes, yes, indeed, that is in fact the fucking Antichrist locked up in the basement. Okay, we're freaked out. It's time for us to go back to our college dorm lives. Uh, Let's go ahead and walk right out of here, get in the van and drive away. And maybe this will just sort itself out somehow. Go to leave and the bums outside have barricaded the front door. Shit. (laughs) Now you're stuck in there with the Antichrist, you college fuckers. Okay. And also I should mention that Susan and the hot uh, translator are walking around throwing the bukkake on everybody else. They get Calder, the big black guy. But for some reason, and this is kind of weird, uh, we never got an explanation for this. When when you get the Bukaki, the, the Antichrist Bukaki, uh, it basically turns you into an automaton and you walk around, I, I guess, mindly, mindlessly obeying orders, except for Calder, the, the big black guy. Uh, for some reason, he gets the Bukaki and he turns into a circus clown. He just kind of walks around giggling at everybody and uh, singing. He does some singing also. I don't know how it affected him different from everybody else. And it's never explained except everybody else becomes like an automaton except for him. At some point, he goes upstairs, breaks a chair leg off and stabs himself in the neck with it. And then he reanimates like 20 minutes later just to go look at himself in the mirror as the sun's coming up. So at this point, we have come to realize that um, Susan, my hot redhead, the hot Asian, um, uh, Kyle Gass is back up, and they're walking around, and of course Calder now, they're all possessed, they're all walking around, we are officially in panic mode here. 
So it starts with, unfortunately, nobody woke up the blonde with the bruise on her arm. She slept through the whole shit, and nobody bothered to wake her up. Uh, Walter was on his way in there to wake her up when he got cornered by Susan and uh, the Asian chick, so he ducked into a closet. Uh, everybody else ducked into separate rooms and kind of barricaded the door. Unfortunately, my man Peter Jason, uh, Professor Lathy, got caught in some crossfire and got himself bukkakeed as well. He's now out of the equation. Kyle Gass is back up. He's kind of like a zombie with a bent neck. Um, what else do we have? We have Calder. He just goes and looks in the mirror and like laughs at himself all day. The sun comes up. Uh, Brian Marsh is like, I'm going to make a run for it. So (laughs) this is really this. I'm sorry, but this part is very stupid. Uh, the sun is up, uh, outside, like the side window, there's like a little alleyway. Okay. You look to the right. There's a bunch of homeless dudes staring right back at you. You look to the left. There's a bunch of other homeless dudes staring right back at you. Now, uh, I don't, I don't mean to harp on this, but there are certain elements of physics that need to be taken into place here. So all of the homeless people are on one side of the fence, okay? If Brian Marsh were to jump out of the window, like with a forward trajectory, he could have cleared that fence, been on the other side of it, and took off running, the fence providing enough of an obstacle to slow the homeless dudes down. He could have went and got help. That's what he could have done. Instead, what he did was drop down right into the alley with all of the homeless dudes. Now, this part's pretty dumb because they go to all the trouble of dropping him down there. He uh, does like a look to the right, look to the left, surrounded by homeless dudes, which he clearly knew before he dropped down. And then they basically have to hoist his ass back up there because the homeless dudes are coming to stab him with bicycles and garden shears. That was kind of dumb, man. That didn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, regardless, that's where we're at. We have the priest hiding upstairs with a fire axe, uh, in the same room as Calder, who's laughing at himself in the mirror all day long. We have Walter, who's hiding in a closet, uh, in the room where all the cots were set up. Uh, that's where the blonde chick with the weird bruise is still sound asleep. And the two hot chicks uh, possessed are outside staring at him through the closet door. Just opposite that is where we have made our final stand with Catherine, one random college kid, and uh, Brian Marsh, and Egg Shen is in there also. So that's pretty cool. They just, they spend the entire day there fucking around, okay? Uh, they At one point, they come to realize that Walter is exactly one wall away, so they start trying to tunnel through the wall to get Walter out of the closet very well. Uh, The sun goes down, and now our uh, blonde has developed all these disgusting skin lesions, and it looked like she was pregnant, but that just kind of went away after a minute or two, and now she's up, and she's like, Father, and now she's going to try to get uh, her two hottie assistants in the closet with Walter. Uh, good news. They tunnel through just as they're breaking through the door. They get Walter out of there into their room. Bad news is that, well, the, now because they d- punched a big fucking hole in the wall, it'll be nothing for the two hottie demons to just come through right after him. So we decide we're going to make a run for it. Egg Shen uh, shakes up a Coca-Cola and uh, sprays it in Kyle Gass's face and then stabs him in the eye with a, two, with a uh, chopstick 
which was kind of racist. Egg Shen, if you ask me, John Carpenter, whoever wrote that particular scene. Um, and then they make a run for it out of the door. Okay, uh, that's all is well so far. Uh, upstairs, um, the ugly pregnant blonde chick, who is now really ugly, she's like lost all of her skin, uh, comes to the realization. So she is apparently somehow the the Antichrist. Everybody else is just her minions. And she has come to the realization that she can pull her father, i.e. Satan, into this world through mirrors. Okay, very cool. She tries to do it with a little compact, but she can only get like two fingers in. So she goes up and she finds the big mirror that um, uh, Calder was laughing at himself all day in. So here they, they all go running up there because they hear the struggle of Calder and the priest. Uh, the uh, Brian Marsh and the other, the, the other dudes like jump on top of um, uh, Calder while he's still giggling his fucking ass off. The priest, however, gets pinned in between like a furnace and the wall, but he's still got his fire axe. Um, down the hall, Calder is kicking the shit out of uh, Brian Marsh. And up comes Catherine, and she very quickly has to make a decision because the, the, the ugly chick, the blonde chick, goes into the same room with the big mirror. So she's like, I'm going to go ahead and pull my dad out of the big mirror, and Satan can come into this world. It's going to be awesome. And... Uh, I just got to go. I, apparently, she has to reach into the mirror and grab him by the hand and pull his ass out. It's, you would think Satan could figure out a mirror, right? He's like the ultimate evil, but I guess a mirror is beyond him. Uh, anyway, uh, Catherine happens upon that. So she's like, oh, my God, uh, I have a choice. I can either go help my possibly soon-to-be boyfriend uh, not get his ass kicked by this giant black man, or I can save the world by uh, f- dealing with this mirror antichrist situation. So she runs and does like a, a nose tackle onto the uh, the blonde chick, and they both splash into the mirror, and then the priest throws an axe at the mirror and breaks the mirror, and that's the end of your movie. All the homeless dudes just kind of wander away from the outside, and then that's it. Except at the very end, we get like a nightmare sequence from Brian Marsh where he uh, wakes up next to the blonde chick and freaks right out. Then he thinks about touching the mirror to possibly try to pull Catherine out. If that would work, I don't know. Maybe it's never, well, it's whatever it is. I really like this movie. It's not John Carpenter's best work. For some reason, it it just resonates with me. It like struck a tone with me and uh, I'm really into it. I I think it's probably my favorite of the John Carpenter movies. I know The Thing is a better movie. I've seen Prince of Darkness way more times than I have The Thing. I'll tell you right now. But uh, I know you've seen it out there, inmates. Give it a rewatch. Tell me what you think. I really dig it. I know it's not good. It's It's got its flaws, for sure. But it's like a Halloween 3 to me. It doesn't make a lick of sense, <laughs> but I still love it. And I couldn't tell you why. It just, it, I just, I'm into it, man. That's my, that's my jam. I'm going to take a little break. I'll come right back to you with some other stuff, okay? Let's build a house of fire, baby 
like what you hear, head over to the Padded Room Facebook group and support us through the patron link with a small monthly donation. Check out the T-Villain link at paddedroom.podbean.com and grab some t-shirts. Thanks for listening and enjoy the rest of the show. And I'm back. <clears throat> you know what uh, nobody tried doing in Prince of Darkness, which I think may have been <clears throat> excuse me, a lot more effective. Did anybody try to just go down there and talk to the Antichrist? 
I'm sure he would be happy to answer any questions you might have. He might actually be a nice guy if you give him a few minutes to, you know, get fully formed out of the embryotic whatever. Instead, everybody's poking needles in him and trying to get tissue samples and all that horseshit. I'd be a little upset too. If we could all just sit down and have a regular conversation, I think we could figure uh, some stuff out. Like gentlemen. Huh? Instead of going down there with your equipment and all that. <clears throat> it's a little invasive. And I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not one to take the side of the Antichrist. I'm just saying it could have been handled a little bit differently. That's all. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> all right, goddammit. You guys ready to get into the Terror Dome? Let's do it. No tears, please. It's a waste of good suffering. You didn't let me finish my sentence. I said, I'm not gonna hurt you. I'm just gonna bash your brains in. I'm gonna bash them right the fuck in. I'll kill you all. I'll drive you crazy. I'll kill you all. I'll dream come true. Six year old child with this blind, pale, emotionless face. To the Terradome. First, last week's winner. The hunter was bleeding and Cordell knew it. Glowing green blood smeared the inside of the warehouse and was puddling under a certain catwalk. Officer Cordell didn't know what the thing was or where it came from, only that it came to the wrong jurisdiction. His jurisdiction. The gas main had been blown open in the battle and now the officer would final the fire shot, blowing the warehouse and everything inside it into the next life. With a vote of 9-3, to three, the Maniac Cop advances over the Predator in what may be this, the upset of the season. I like it. I'm into that. Maniac Cop is my guy for, the, for, for this year's Terradome. I might actually win one for a change. I don't think I've ever won a Terradome tournament. It's usually uh, goddamn Tim or Alan or GP or one of these guys. All right, let's take a look at this week's matchup, shall we? In the Inferno Conference, round number seven. As usual, inmates, bear with me. I'm not very good at writing stuff. Amonet's pursuit was growing desperate. Even utilizing millennia's old death magic, Nick still eluded her at every turn. From the sands of Egypt, up through modern-day Iraq, into Western Europe, and eventually across the Atlantic Ocean to the United States. Nick had resources in the U.S., but the closer she got, the more dangerous she became. Men died, buildings toppled, and entire cities were left a ruin in her wake. It soon became common knowledge that amongst governments that the mummy Amonet was a natural disaster to be avoided at all costs. No longer able to hide in his own country, Nick flees south. Mexico conceals him, but only for a short while. He continues south along the Amazon River, deep into South America. 
There, among the jungles of the Amazon, Nick finds his final refuge, on a quiet tributary, a lazy lagoon that the locals refuse to go to. He knows Aminette will find him, she always does, but at least here, in the Black Lagoon, there would be no one else for her to hurt. <clears throat> there you have it, inmates. It is the mummy versus the creature from the Black Lagoon. Now, everybody knows how I'm going to vote. Of course, I'm taking the mummy, and I'm not only taking the mummy because Sophia Batella is hot, and because I actually am the only guy in the known universe that liked the 2017 Tom Cruise mummy, but because the creature from the Black Lagoon is basically worthless, right? Uh, he smacks people around. He steals your girlfriend. Uh, he gets captured by Clint Eastwood and put into a uh, uh, fucking amusement park. He becomes a sideshow attraction, right? I'm not. I'm not. I, if we re, if if we hadn't have taken a collective dump all over the dark universe and Tom Cruise's mummy, we might have gotten a kick-ass remake out of there somewhere. Unfortunately, we didn't. And what we're left with is the original creature from the Black Lagoon, which looks kind of cool and is very iconic. I'll give you that. But it's still, I mean, he just kind of lumbers around. He's pretty cool underwater. I'll give you that. That's, you know, he can breathe. So there's that. And he's got like uh, the flipper claws uh, kind of a thing. So they're, they're okay. <laughs> I don't think he's going to do shit against the mummy is what I'm telling you. Uh, I'm taking the mummy on that one. Get me your votes by next weekend, mates. As usual, the mental health hotline is area code 775-387-0275. Or the regular old email is the paddedroom2011 at hotmail.com. You don't have to vote on the Terror Dome. Tell me what movies you watched. Tell me what you thought of uh, uh, Immersion Therapy. If you've seen Prince of Darkness, I'd love to get your two cents on it. Uh... Anything else you want to talk about, I'm happy to give you my fantasy football picks for the week. Don't bank on them. I'm terrible at fantasy football. Um, what else? We can exchange recipes if you're into that. Um, whatever you would. Show me your tattoos. I don't give a shit. Email me. Uh, in the meantime, let's do a little what are you looking at, shall we? What are you looking at? So, um, a little bit of news before we do what are you looking at. I'm actually, there's going to be no Padded Room podcast the first week of October. And the reason why, and this is going to kind of bleed into what are you looking at, is because I am actually going to uh, Universal Horror Nights, you motherfuckers. <laughs> I'm finally doing it. Uh, I hope to bring you some kind of a you know live stream from there. I'm going to do my best to get that up on the Facebook uh, page somehow. I don't know. They might confiscate my phone or something. But the themes of Halloween Horror Nights or Universal Horror Nights for this year, there's four going to be four attractions. The themes are going to be the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Purge, uh, Bride of Frankenstein, and The Haunting of Hill House. So... Uh, what I've been doing is revisiting the various iterations of The Haunting of Hill House. Uh, that being said, I watched The Haunting from 1963. And um, <laughs> I... Uh, uh, all right. So I have tried repeatedly to read the book, The Haunting of Hill House, by Shirley Jackson. And the pro, I, I, I can't, man, I can't get into it. 
I tried I tried doing the Audible uh, where they read the book to you. I have a hard copy of the book. I tried that. Um, the problem, I, I maybe it's it's just me. It's me. I'm 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 an idiot, is what it is, and I have a very uh, low attention span. But it's written in a very old lady dialect. Okay, I know that probably doesn't make sense, but just like the the pacing and like I can just hear an old lady. And what's even worse is when I tried to listen to it on Audible, it was narrated by an old lady. Eleanor waved goodbye to the oleanders as she sped away in her motor car. I can only take so much of that, man. I have nothing against old ladies, but I don't know, man. I just, I just can't. And uh, that being said, they made it into a movie. It's called The Haunting. The original iteration was from 1963. Um... It's it's not bad, but it's not really a movie about the 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 haunted house is is neither here nor there in the movie. It's a movie about mental illness, is what it is, and um, you know it just it, even the movie has that old lady dialect uh, kind of enunciation to it, for lack of a better term. I mean to come in. I'm expected. Who are you? I'm expected my name is Eleanor and I mean to come in there. I, I, I don't know what I find so irritating about that. It's just me. I'm some kind of a psycho. I know that. And luckily, later iterations, it, that kind of gets updated and goes away. But in the 1963 version and the way the book is written, you get a fucking anal fisting of that old lady dialect. It's very... It's grating to me, and I, th- I think it probably is some kind of a psychological scar that I bear from my grade school, my elementary school, when people, old ladies in that era from that would be old enough to teach uh, elementary school when I was a kid still talk like that, so I kind of, I don't know, I, I, I don't have time for psychoanalysis. <laughs> it, it's fine. This is the black and white version. It's um, it's about mental illness, and really, so are all the other iterations. Uh, the the nineteen ninety six version with Catherine Zeta Jones, that's more of a ghost movie, but it's not a good one. But I'll probably get into that next week. I watched that, and I also watched The Call from twenty twenty. This one is streaming on Shutter right now. This one is actually a pretty good show. It stars uh, Tobin Bell and Lynn Shay. Um, more on the ghost stuff. So these teenagers make it a almost nightly routine to go fuck with this old lady's house at the out, on the outskirts of town. And uh, eventually she gets fed up with it and commits suicide. Her husband <clears throat> offers them each $100,000 and all they have to do is come over to his house, their house, uh, go upstairs into a guest room and call a... F- Make a make a phone call from a number that is you know written on a piece of paper. They have to stay on the phone for one minute, and if they can do that, they'll be free to leave, and they can each collect a hundred thousand dollars. And uh, by the way, he buried his dead wife with a phone. So there's that. Pretty good show. Gets uh, gets pretty spooky ooky. I like that one a lot. Uh, that's all I'm looking at this weekend, mates. How about a little immersion therapy, huh? Immersion Therapy.
The Old Ways from 2020. Did you guys get a chance to check this out? I liked it. I liked it a lot. Uh, number of reasons. Number one, it, it, it basically boils down to a classic exorcism tale. Nothing we haven't seen before. What I liked particularly about this one is that whenever we go into exorcism territory, we almost always jump right into the backseat of Catholicism. And that's where we stay. We saw it last week with, uh, what was that, the seventh day. Started off in the Catholic Church, ended at the Catholic Church. Now, universal truths notwithstanding, how is it that the Catholics are the only ones that get demons? I'd like some demons. I'm not even a religious guy. Why can't I get possessed? And even if, if I do get possessed, how come the Catholics are the only ones with the, the exorcism team to come sort the shit out? So this one gets into more of like a folk magic, kind of a... Um, Paulo Mayombe kind of a thing with with their approach to exorcism and it's pretty cool. I think it worked out well. Like I said, it, like as far as the story goes, it's nothing that we haven't already seen, but it's a new approach to it and I'm a big fan of that. And that main chick was screaming hot, so you got that going for you too. Uh, check it out if you haven't seen it, inmates. It's on Netflix. It's called The Old Ways. Your immersion therapy, therapy for this week is going to be Psycho Gorman from 2019 this bad guy is streaming on shutter you probably already seen it if not i'm going to encourage you to go check it out we'll do the same in compare notes next week i've already seen it and maybe some of you other guys have let me know what you thought about it i'm interested to hear some some opinions on this one in the meantime uh why don't we educate me since there is no miss monica Educating Miss Monica. My clues from last week. I was transplanted from my job in the United States to my new job in Japan. My wife came with me, God bless her. Uh, Unfortunately, we got put into a house with some history. And now, my goddamn wife is nailing my boss. And my boss is probably going to try to kill me. Unless I kill him and her first, uh, somebody's going to have to commit suicide somehow. Uh, it's it's just a weird ghosty love triangle. It's a dumb shit movie called The House Where Evil Dwells. Um, more early 80s romance than anything. This one actually stars Troy McClure. <laughs> is that that guy's name? I think it is actually Troy McClure. I'm going to look it up real quick. Uh, he was, I think he was like... Um, Punky Brewster's uncle or something like that. If, if you've seen this movie, you know exactly who I'm talking about. Um, he was in like every other 80s sitcom. He had at least uh, one story arc for every sitcom. The house where evil dwells. And his name is um, Doug McClure. Troy McClure, I think, is a character on The Simpsons. Doug McClure with his enormous forehead. Um, it's a it's a dumb movie, man. It's just a bunch of weird early '80s sex scenes where the wife is nailing the husband, but she keeps like flashing back to the boss, 
And then the boss is like really into the wife all of a sudden. So he keeps making reasons, excuses to come to the house when the husband's not there. Eventually they end up having sex. They feel real bad about it. But then they have sex like seven or eight more, time, more times. Eventually get caught by the husband and then he uh, goes on a killing spree with a samurai sword. It's not very good, man. If anybody wants it, I have it on the shelf right next to me. Let me know. I'm happy to box the fucking thing up and send it to you. All right. Who might I be this week, you ask? So I got a pretty good thing going here on the family farm. I got a, a, a wife who's a bit of a, a, well, she's a bit of a snatch, uh, but that's okay. Um, my son is looking good. We got a, a good crop coming in this year. Everything's going pretty great, except that with all this money coming in from the crops, my wife has this crazy idea about taking off and opening up some kind of a fancy clothing store. I don't want to do that. My son is nailing the next door neighbor's uh, daughter. He doesn't want to do that. I don't think we have any choice but to kill the wife, being as how she controls the money now. We got we to gotta get rid of her, dude. We got to get rid of her. We got to uh, cover it up. Uh, I don't know. Maybe we'll throw the body uh, down the well or something and hope our conscience doesn't uh, bother us too much in the, in the future. All right. Those are your clues, inmates. Tune in next week, and I will divulge who I am. In the meantime, thank you very much for joining me and bearing with me for another solo show. You guys are beautiful. You know that. We do have a Patreon campaign running. If you want to be even more beautiful than you already are, you can always give us money, and then we will find you even more attractive. That's how it works. Uh, paddedroompodcast.com is where you go. $5 donation will get you the month of December. You pick the theme, the movies, whatever you want us to do there. As well as a travel mug and a padded room t-shirt. $5, paddedroompodcast.com. Hit the Patreon link there. Get Do fill out all the shit. Put your debit card in. And I will, I'm going to put a little something extra in your prize pack. All right? Tom Hardy knows what I'm talking about. Cooper got a very big prize pack. Uh, he's probably wanting his $5 back right about now. <laughs> Too bad, Coop. It's all you, buddy. Um, yeah, and uh, I think that's about it. Join me next week for In the Mouth of Madness here in uh, Tom Hardy Month in the Padded Room. We're doing the, uh, the uh, Carpenter uh, Apocalypse Trilogy, and then we're going to throw in some phenomenon there at the end because why the fuck not? It's a great show. It's silly. It's, a, it's weird. It's Argento and... We got uh, psychic bug control and a monkey with a knife and Donald Pleasance. Again, he's going to rejoin us at the end of the month. Anyway, that's it for me. Thank you guys again for joining us for Buddy in Absentia, Monica in Absentia, Sharecroppers that Kill Their Wives, Guillermo del Toro's hopefully making horror movies, um, Shirley Jackson and her old lady way of speaking and writing that for some reason irritates me in a way that I can't wrap my head around. Uh, the Mummy, The Creature from the Black Lagoon, The Maniac Cop, coming through like a real underdog, and the Padded Room Podcast. I'm afraid visiting hours are over. <laughs>